I am reading from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 24, verse 13 following. That same day, two of them went on their way to a village called Emmaus, which lay about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking together about all these happenings. As they talked and discussed it with one another, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but something held their eyes from seeing who it was. He asked them, what is it that you are debating as you walk? They halted their faces full of gloom, and one, called Cleopas, answered, Are you the only person staying in Jerusalem not to know what has happened there in these last few days? What do you mean, he said? All this about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, a prophet powerful in speech and action before God and the whole people. How our chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we had been hoping that he was to be the man to liberate Israel. What is more, this is the third day since it happened. And now some women of our company have astounded us. They went early to the tomb but failed to find his body. And they returned with a story that they had seen a vision of angels who told them he was alive. So some of our people went to the tomb and they found things just as the women had said, but him they did not see. How dull you are, he answered. How slow to believe all that the prophet said. Was the Messiah not bound to suffer thus before entering upon his glory? Then he began with Moses and all the prophets and explained to them the passages which referred to himself in every part of the scriptures. By this time they had reached the village to which they were going and he made as if he would continue his journey but they pressed him, stay with us for evening draws on and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them and when he had sat down with them at table, he took bread and said the blessing and broke the bread and offered it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did we not feel our hearts on fire as he talked with us on the road and explained to us the scriptures? Amen. May God bless to us an understanding of this part of his word. These two disciples that I read about a moment ago had evidently gone up from their little village of Emmaus to celebrate the festival of the Passover. They were two who had come to believe in the Lord Jesus. First, they had heard him teach and were attracted at his teaching. Later on, they were so attracted to his tremendous personality and power that they were willing to follow him as a leader. The more they saw the gracious works of mercy which he wrought upon the diseased bodies and minds of men, and the more they heard the words that fell from his lips, the more they were convinced that this was no ordinary person, that this indeed might be the Messiah of God. And so they looked forward to going to the festival of the Passover. 
They looked forward to that day when they heard the crowds shouting his praises in the streets. For they thought that surely at last, this God's son will liberate Israel. The pagan Romans will be driven from our cities. They will be driven out of the land. And he will establish the kind of kingdom that we'd always looked for. But all of their hopes were dashed to shreds and pieces. The hooting, jeering, mocking mob that nailed him to a cross. And when they looked and saw him bleed and saw his poor, broken, lifeless body taken down, and the nails pulled from his hands and his poor mangled feet and his body taken away. The whole world had crushed in upon their hearts and they were full of disillusionment and utter despair. Nothing in all of the world is so dreadful as to be disappointed in Jesus Christ. Nothing is so dreadful is the rude reality of death when you truly face it with someone whom you love desperately. You can scream, you can cry, you can be bitter, but what can you do? Death is so utterly real, and when you see it, you are humbled by it all. And so when they go away home, back on that Easter Sunday, that first resurrection morning, full of perplexity and gloom and fear, walking that seven miles out to the village of Emmaus, their hearts so full of gloom that they are unaware of this mysterious, magnetic, sympathetic stranger who walks up behind them and joins them. What this tells me is just when I need him. Jesus is near. Just when I need him most, if I will only trust him. Their eyes were holden, we are told, that they did not know him. They were so full of sorrow and sadness that words made no sense. And this one whose name is Cleophas is hardly civil to him. He says, what is this that you're discussing as you walk along and you're so full of sadness? And Cleophas turns and says, of the hundred thousand strangers in Jerusalem, are you the only one who does not know what's happened there in these last few days? Jesus wishes him to unburden his heart and so he elicits from him more and says to him, what things? They said concerning Jesus of Nazareth. One of my old and dearest professors used to say, fancy asking that question of that stranger. Fancy Cleophas asking, asking Jesus, where were you last Friday? Do you know what happened of all the people in Jerusalem? Asking him that question. Where were you last Friday? Don't you know what happened there? 
but the Savior knows their bruised and broken hearts. So he asks them what things. And then we see their faltering faith that they had thought of him as the Messiah who would do what they wanted the Messiah to do. And then, with that gentleness, he speaks to their need with the great reality of God revealed in Scripture and how he begins to open unto them the Scriptures. He begins to speak of that passage in Genesis where it is predicted that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. He begins to speak of that rock that was smitten out of which came living water. He begins to speak of that manna from heaven and himself is the bread of life. He begins to speak of Isaiah 53 and that suffering servant of God. He begins to speak those words which he died on the cross on his lips. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He opens unto them the scriptures. No wonder later they will look back and say, Did not our hearts burn within us? Or as this New English Bible puts it, Our hearts were on fire when he opened the scriptures to them, to us, as we walked with him in the way. Let me say this. If ever God Almighty leads you someplace, where someone opens the scriptures to you and your hearts are on fire. Do whatever you have to do. Get back where your hearts will burn. And understand the truth of scripture. And your whole life can be changed. Just this past week I went into the home of someone who has suffered long and hard. And we spoke about a recent death. And there framed on the wall in her kitchen, she told me, were those blessed words from Scripture, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the mind of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This life is not it all. This life is not everything. The idiot advertising on television that says you only live once, get all you can now, is straight from the pit of hell. Jesus totally denounces that. Utterly denounces it. This life is not everything. There are inequalities. There are sufferings that people go through. Wealth is not evenly distributed. Trouble does not come alike to us all in the same proportion. But what we are taught of in Scripture is that one day God will make things right. We would not yearn for heaven if earth held only joy. And the message of the risen Christ takes the message of Holy Scripture and applies it to a believer's heart, assuring him of that blessed hope. Now, this risen Christ speaks to them there on that way, and he speaks to us in our way too. And he opens our hearts to the scriptures. This past week, there stood right here 
a student from our college, an ex-student. He told of his days in our school. He told of drunken revelry that he had gotten into and of the bitter, negative, cynical attitude that he had toward everything that was spoken to him from the classroom and from his teachers. But bless God, there is a teacher whose patience is absolutely remarkable and whose faith in Jesus shines through. And she kept on praying for him and kept on opening to him the scriptures and making his heart so that one day when a good Baptist minister took the four spiritual laws that the Campus Crusade people have, and this student all prepared to mock at them, listen, and his heart burned within him, and he dissolved into tears, and that day Jesus became consciously Lord of his life, and he desired to come here to the place where he had created so much havoc and tell what Christ had done to transform and to change his life. Oh, what little use we make of our opportunities to present the claims of Jesus to others. These two disciples of his ran the entire distance from Emmaus all the way back into Jerusalem, breathless and eager, taking the word about Jesus to the others. He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Maybe they saw the nail prints in his hands. Whatever it was, it is certain that their hearts were greatly touched. The reality of the resurrection is firmly established in the Gospels. There are those who come and say, don't you know that there are little discrepancies here? Yes. Such a tremendous event as this boggles the mind of man. And there are multitudes who look for a, an excuse not to believe. And it is hard to believe because it would be hard to obey that risen Christ. It may mean that you would really have to take him seriously and live your life out under his lordship. It might just mean a whole different change in your value system. And so people look for an excuse not to believe. They look for it because they do not wish to obey his lordship. But what about this brute specter in front of us called death? And what will we do when we come there? I'll never forget one man who faced it. More dramatically, I believe, than any other person I ever knew. He was an old, old man, and I'm sure that there's someone listening on the radio today who will write me and tell me that you knew him. His name is easy to remember, H.H. Honeycutt, a Baptist minister. And when he was old and without a charge, he used to go to churches and visit ministers, and he would take our magazine subscriptions to Christianity Today or to the Eternity or the various uh, periodicals that we would subscribe to. And I always look forward to this old man coming to visit at my study. Fifteen years ago, he came by one day and knocked at the door. We entered into a conversation, and it was close to Easter time, and we talked of a resurrection and of the life to come. And do you know what he told me? I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and he had lost a lot of weight. 
And I said to him, Mr. Honeycutt, how have you been? And he said, let me tell you about my surgery. He said, I was in an operating room, and I literally died. The surgeons, the anesthetists, the surgical nurses, all of the people who were standing around, and when my heartbeat stopped and my pulse was gone, I heard with my own ears one of the surgeons say to the other, he's gone. By using stimulants, his heart was able to come back again. And when he had revived and was conscious, one of the doctors came into his room and said to him, Mr. Honeycutt, do you know what happened to you? You literally died on the operating room table. Mr. Honeycutt said, I know. I heard one of you say, he's gone. And the surgeon said, you heard that? And he said, yes, I heard it. And he said, what did you do? And he said, I prayed. And he said, what did you pray for? The surgeon said, what did you pray for? Do you know what that old man prayed for? He said, I prayed, oh God, please save my two boys, my two sons. He wanted his two sons to come into a saving relationship to Jesus Christ more than he wanted his heart to continue to beat. That was his trust in the life of the world to come. That was his trust of the risen Christ walking in the world today. What would be your prayer? Do you really believe in salvation? Have you really trusted in Jesus Christ? These two raced their way back as quickly as they could, finding the others already talking about what had taken place there and rejoicing Rejoicing with their burning hearts in what had happened to them on the road when they were with Jesus that Easter day. Malcolm Mugridge, the distinguished former editor of Punch magazine, has an amazing book called Jesus Rediscovered. Malcolm Mugridge, with his skeptical 20th century mind and sensual disposition, writes in here, of what happened to him in making a television play in the Holy Lands. I finished off my filming in the Holy Land taking with me a friend to the road to Emmaus. Those of you who still read the Bible will remember the details, how shortly after the crucifixion, Cleophas and some other relative of Christ's family and a friend were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus and inevitably talking as they went along about the crucifixion and what had happened so recently. They were joined by a third man who fell into step beside them and shared their conversation. When they arrived at their destination in Emmaus, since it was late, they pressed him to come and to eat supper with them. The story you know is so incredibly vivid that I swear to you that no one who has ever tried to write can doubt its authenticity. There is something in the very language and manner of it which breathes truth. Anyway, they went in to eat their supper, 
And of course, when the stranger broke the bread, they realized he was no stranger, but he was their savior. As my friend and I walked along like Cleophas and his friend, we recalled as they did the events of the crucifixion and its aftermath in the light of our utterly different and yet similar world. Nor was it a fancy that we too were joined by a third presence. And I tell you that wherever the walk and whoever the wayfares, there is always this third presence ready to emerge from the shadows and fall in step along the dusty, stony way. Do you know that third presence, that stranger? He'll walk with you in life if you will believe in his life and surrender to his lordship.